everyone. Welcome back to another episode of Friends from Work, a podcast about all things in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. And it's hosted by me, Kyle, and my longtime friend, Robbie. So today we have another special interview for you guys. And this is one that I personally have, have really have been hoping to do for a while here. Um, we have a, a writer today that comes from Austin, uh, where I live, and he's someone that, that I've followed a lot over the past couple of years uh, and that I've become a, a big fan of. Um, he wrote a 2018 comic called Rise of the Black Panther that came out sort of in the midst of the ta Coates Black Panther run that's, that's critically acclaimed. And it's a really, really beautifully written comic. And I don't say that lightly because... You know, they're, I'm pretty picky uh, when it comes to writing in, in particular uh, with this stuff, and, and it's just masterfully done. It, it came out the same year as the Black Panther film, and and as we talk about in this interview, uh, kind of has a lot of synergy uh, with that film. They they both deal with kind of the, the sort of contradictions inherent in the, the Wakandan project and identity and, and this idea of opening yourself up to the, the world and, and what it means to be an African nation that was never colonized. And it just deals with all, if you're a fan of the Marvel comics universe, it, it goes into all sorts of kind of, uh, deep black Panther mythology, you know, gold nuggets. Um, and, and I think you'll, you'll really enjoy it. You have everything from Captain America and, and the Winter Soldier to to Namor and and Storm and Luke Cage and just all all sorts of really fun stuff that also serves to to be a perfect intro point for you if you've never read a Black Panther comic or a comic at all. You know, I know often folks are are looking for for an end there. So I love the chance to sit down with Evan for that reason. But also I love the chance to sit down with Evan because he was one of the creators and the writers of the Miles Morales video game. So the game that we have an episode reviewing, he was a part of making that, which is just so much fun. And truly, I mean this, it was one of my favorite games to play this year. As you know, Robbie and I love that game and we love the original Spider-Man PS4 game. Yes. They're both unbelievable, top tier. And so to get a chance to talk with him about writing that and creating it was so much fun. So I think you guys are going to enjoy it. Without further ado, here is Evan Narciss. All right, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of Friends from Work. Today is a very special episode because today we were speaking with a writer that I'm a huge fan of. I've been looking to sit down with him for a long time. Uh, he writes about all sorts of pop culture stuff from, from video games to television to comics and beyond. Uh, he himself has written the Rise of the Black Panther comic, which came out in 2018. And more recently, um, and especially exciting for my co-host here, uh, the Spider-Man Miles Morales. Let's go. PS5 and, and PS4 game. So welcome to Friends from Work, Evan Narciss. Uh, thanks for having me, guys. Oh, absolutely. Thank you for being here. I, I have to say, first off, and apologies to folks that are listening on the, uh, you know, to this via audio and aren't seeing the video, but you've got the the poster there of Rise of the Black Panther behind you. And I, I had to bring this here, um, mostly because I had to show you, you got that it. I have this little, this little uh, Wakanda Forever Evan Narciss oh. signature there. Uh, where was that? So that was at Austin Books and Comics. Oh, okay. Uh, 
yeah, so we we hail from the same the same city here. Actually, to kind of go a little bit further in in the creepiness here, um, I actually <laughs> saw you introduce the first time I saw Black Panther was at the Mueller Alamo, yep. and you uh, introduced it there. So yeah, 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 yeah. Um, that was fun. That was a really amazing night. Um, I was honored I got asked to do it. You know, I'm I'm honored that I get to be part of this character's legacy, even in a little way. Um, it's, it's been a fun ride and, and, and probably has changed my life. Mm. Definitely. There's no probably that. about it, but yeah. And Robbie, I didn't know that. So I love that so much. You have creepy <laughs> background stalker history. I love yeah, that. You know, it's all good. Always it you, just you and a few other hundred people. It's yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, you know, I, I love in, in the preface to that comic, you talk about how, uh, how much you were a fan of the character, obviously, and how the Christopher Priest run, uh, was really one of the things that inspired that book. Uh, what I think is so is so fascinating reading that is there seems to be a lot of synergy between some of the work that you were doing in Rise of the Black Panther and some of what the Black Panther film did. Yeah. Um, and, you know, some of that makes sense because they're both origin stories um, and, you know, they came out the same year. But I was curious how much were you aware of what Ryan Coogler was doing with the film and, and how much of a, you know, sort of collaboration artistically did you feel like that was? Um, I knew nothing about what Ryan oh, wow. was doing okay. and the people who made the movie were, were doing. I knew nothing, absolutely nothing. Um, to the point where, you know, um, I was writing this, like first meeting with Marvel happened like in 2016. And then, um, uh, then I was writing it through 2017 and the whole while, you know, not knowing anything about the movie. Um, I think mm. it was Comic-Con 2017 where they showed the first footage um, in Hall H. Um, or was it the first trailer? The, anyway, one of the early trailers was uh, a scene of T'Challa in the UN. And, mm. you know, originally in my first kind of draft of, of the outline, I'd, wanted to open with the child at the UN. And um, I saw that trailer. I was like, I can't do that. You know, the people, <laughs> oh, wow. just, people are thinking I'm just cribbing off the movie. So went back to the drawing board, kind of find a, a different way to kind of approach the same idea, um, which kind of culminates at the end of, of issue three of Rise of the Black mm -hmm. Panther. But like, yeah, I didn't know anything what they were doing. So, you know, I'm lucky enough to get to go to the premiere of the movie in January of 2018. And um, wow. uh, I see the movie. I'm like, Oh, we're we're <laughs> both. We're not only not only were we both using Killmonger as a, as a primary antagonist. Right. You know, it was a very similar take. You know, mm -hmm. like which is that here's a Wakandan, you know, kind of stranded by circumstance outside of the country of his birth, which he never really got to know, and that you know framing psychologically puts him in a place where he feels like he wants to be the avatar of like a Wakandan supremacy. And um, he feels like they need to conquer the world and he's got to mm -hmm. do it to help him to, to, to lead them through that. Um, I mean, I was shocked at how similar the takes were. <laughs> um, but I think, you know, like you, you, we, we can talk about like the zeitgeist or collective subconscious or what, whatever surrounding like the mm -hmm. Black Panther mythos. But I think, you know, like Joe Robert Cole, who co-wrote the screenplay with, um, with Ryan, um, I think, you know, all our heads were probably in the same place, which is like, you know, the Black Panther is a character that 
if you're a member of like the black diaspora, you can use mm-hmm. that character's mythology to investigate what it means to like, okay, only know parts of your history, you know, mm-hmm. like, and Killmonger is a great character to do that uh, uh, through. So um, I think that's why we wound up in the same place, but you know, you know, to wrap up my very long answer to your question, um, <laughs> I knew nothing, you know, to the point where wow. like, you know, issue three of the series, like, is all about the Winter Soldier being deployed as a spy to try and infiltrate Wakanda. And, right. um, you know, of, oh, course, yeah. of course, Bucky shows up in the post credit scene. <laughs> and I didn't know that yeah. either. Oh, yeah. So That's so wild. So, you know, I, th- I think it's just a coincidence. Go ahead. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that that is crazy because I was reading it. I thought, well, surely he he's working some of these elements in intentionally. Um, yeah, like I, the Bucky thing specifically. That's crazy. Yeah. So, you know, I knew I knew nothing about what what the, the movie plan was. So, um, you know, I'm happy that there is some synergy there. And I'm mm-hmm. happy that the series works kind of as an introductory text that, um, you know, also features a lot of the same characters from the movie. Um, but I'm, I'm also happy that it stands alone. It's its own story, you know, mm-hmm. like, oh, yeah. Uh, one of the things I really appreciated being able to do was to use all these toys, which at the time, um, you you know, couldn't even imagine being in a Marvel movie, right? So, uh, hmm. you know, I think, I'm, I'm pretty sure, well, I definitely wrote it before the Fox merger. Um, so, mm-hmm. you know, you couldn't even think about, you know, Fox characters that, that, that Marvel characters that Fox had the rights to, like the Fantastic Four, you couldn't even, you know, imagine them being in a Black Panther movie, right? Um, right. But now you can, but... I, I didn't have those same kind of limitations, you know, you know, hmm. the Marvel Comics um, um, universe. So I was able to, you, you know, adhere to the kind of classic version of T'Challa's first appearance where, you know, he lures a Fantastic Four to Wakanda and whatnot. Mm-hmm. So I, 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 I can, you know, I could use Namor. I could use all these other characters that I've that, that were in the series. Um, so I was really happy about that. So I'm, I'm glad that, you know, the two texts can talk to each other, but also mm-hmm. have their own distinct um, textures that, that, that make them appealing in their own right. So, yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I think, uh, you know, I was rereading it ahead of today and you're right. It really does stand on its own, even within the, the comic mythos, uh, in a way that I really appreciate. Cause I think often whenever I've come to a black Panther run, it always feels like I'm sort of missing something. Uh, you know, it always feels like I'm dropping into the middle, even, you know, as great as so many of them are, it feels like I often need to, you know, go online and do some research and kind of orient myself. And I thought that this in in so many ways was the Black Panther story I had always wanted as a comic reader. Like, I thought it was so interesting, you know, having I'm, I'm a big fan of what Hickman did yeah. with uh, Black Panther and, and his Avengers. And I, I thought it was really interesting how you worked. You, you went back to some of the really classic stuff, even from the 60s, obviously, but then reworked in all these elements from these other great eras of, uh, of the Black Panther so organically. I mean, that was part of my own personal mandate for myself. You know, like Marvel pretty much let me do what I want. You know, um, obviously there was a desire to kind of uh, center the characters that were going to be in the movie um, that I knew about. Um, so, but that was always part of the plan for my part of my plan personally. So I was always going to figure out Shuri and I was always going to use Killmonger. Mm -hmm. Um, but you know, part of my own personal mandate to myself was, okay, you love this character. 
he's gone through all these wildly different iterations, right? You've got like the the crazy, like science fiction heavy aspect of the Kirby run from the 70s, you know, you've got the 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 Lee and Kirby run from Fantastic Four, where you know he shows up, he's kind of sneaky, you know, all the kind of establishing foundational ideas of the character. You've got Don McGregor, of course, that classic uh, jungle action run, which was drawn um, uh, a lot by uh, Billy Graham um, and some Rich Buckler in there too. But like, you know, he turns T'Challa, that's the first real focus on Wakanda's internal statecraft, right? Like how the politics work and 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 what people inside the country think of him. And, and um, you know, it's the first place Kilmar shows up. So his, mm. his T'Challa was very like compassionate and, and philosophical. Um, mm. You know, then you get like, uh, there's a Peter Milligan story from the 80s that I kind of sort of nodded at. Um, hmm. You know, that, that that's the place, first place where um, uh, some of the other countries around Wakanda get focused on. Um, hmm. um, and that's something that Tanahasi later expanded on in his run. But, you know, so part of the goal with Rise was all right, how can I make all these different things talk to each other and feel cohesive, right? You know, like there's the character of Jakara that um, Kirby created and, you know, is sort of kind of villain of the month, right? You know, but he's T'Challa's mm-hmm. half-brother. I'm like, well, can I find a way to make this work? You know, like mm-hmm. I knew one of the things I wanted to do in Rise of the Black Panther was tell a story about family, right? And that's always been a, a, a hallmark of, of Black Panther stories, Reginald Hudlin expanded his family in significant ways with, with um, his uncle Cyan, who was the regent, you know, um, and I used him in Rise. So like, how can I get all these different things to talk to each other and make it seem like it all has always existed that way? One of the things I like to point out is that, you know, in the priest run, um, T'Challa was still an only child, right? So, you know, mm-hmm. uh, when he's broody and kind of um, strategic and manipulative and Machiavellian, like it makes sense. Like, yeah, he's an only child. The whole weight of this like mm-hmm. kind of legacy mm-hmm. is on his shoulders. But then Reginald Hudlin introduces Shuri, you know, a couple of years later. And my thinking was, well, T'Challa's, you know, he, he can still have gone through that moment canonically, but like, off to the side, Shuri would have been like, you know, oh my God, can you stop sulking? Like, come on already. <laughs> like, like, and again, I landed there um, in terms of thinking about like what a sibling sibling rivalry was, like a loving kind of uh, uh, poke fun at your 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 sibling kind of deal might have been. And, and you know, Ryan and Joe for the movie wound up in the same place. So, you know, mm. it, 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 it feels good to know that like, there's these kind of core notions of these characters that um are so well designed in my opinion that they um they manage to rise to the surface whenever mm-hmm. like you know different creators are thinking of them you know um and uh that was part of the goal was to like you know okay you know what hunter the white wolf let's let's say he was there from the very beginning right like let's say like he's a character that priest um um added in his run but let's say he was there Mm-hmm. Um, um, from before even T'Challa was born, like how would that affect like 
what would the discourse about that be in Wakandan politics? You know, mm-hmm. like, so I had yeah. a couple of scenes where, where like people of the tribal council were like, yeah, you know, T'Chaka adopted this little white kid and I don't know what that's about. <laughs> um, but then we see what that's about, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, I make a point of saying, okay, there's a utility for this, you know, secretive African nation to have a white envoy that they can send out to the world to do stuff uh, that they can't be caught doing. Um, right. Hmm. Um, so that was part of what um, the thinking was for me in kind of reconsidering and trying to recontextualize all the different Black Panther runs hmm. that have preceded Rise. I I really love the the work that you did with the White Wolf there, and we we actually just talking about Falcon Winter Soldier and and the way that that term has been used. It's somewhat to to refer to Bucky Barnes and the yeah. MCU. Yeah. Um, and we sort of talked about how, you know, that that series ends with uh, the title card changing from Falcon Winter Soldier to Captain America and Winter Soldier. And there was a lot of we had a lot of folks, a lot of listeners reach out um, sort of wishing that it changed to Captain America and the White Wolf. And um, that's one of those things where I'm sort of it, it does seem like maybe that that moniker is is off the table now but i do like the idea of of saving a space for that hunter character um rather than than kind of giving that wholesale over to to the bucky character because i think there's what you the angle that you took there seems like it would could bear a lot of a lot of fruit in in like future installments you know nobody's asked me i'm not (laughs) like officially connected to the marvel uh cinematic universe in any way but you know i watched the show and, you know, I had similar thoughts probably to some of your listeners uh, about that title. And, you know, one of the places I landed was, you know, this could be an inherited title, you know, like this could be mm-hmm. like or it could be a nickname, you know, like it's like, oh, OK, like that's my play cousin. You know, like, you know, when you talk when you call somebody hmm. your cousin, at least within black communities, you call right. somebody your cousin when you're not actually related to them. And it's like, yeah, that's the white wolf, you know, like he's cool, you know, like mm-hmm. uh, um, he's kind of sort of part of the family. And, <laughs> um, you know, uh it could be as informal or, or as formal as, you know, the folks making the decisions there um, um, want to make it, you know? But I think, again, it's kind of a shorthand for like, okay, your inner circle, not all the way in a hmm. circle, not necessarily Royal <laughs> court in a circle, but like, you know, you're cool. We vetted you the mm-hmm. whole fixing your mind and your arm thing. Like, so right. yeah, you know, it, it, it just feels like, um, like a parasocial relationship to like Wakandan culture that, you know, they definitely leaned on in the show. And um, Hmm. I think you can use that nickname to communicate the idea that Bucky has um, a certain amount of um, respect and familiarity Mm -hmm. granted to him by the Wakandans who know him. You know, so I think, you know, it doesn't have to mean the exact same thing as it does in the comics. Right. But it, it can signify that the character has a special meaning to these people um, when he acts right. When he doesn't act right, he gets his arm taken off. Hmm. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> right. Fail yeah. self built in. Yeah. <laughs> That's a good point. I well, I, I was curious and, and maybe this is sort of a, a transition for us um, as we're talking about kind of the way that you were able to to loop in all of this Black Panther history and there's so much of it. And, and I do feel like Black Panther is sort of like Daredevil in that um, 
he's he's been a consistently well-written character um and so there's a, a lot of great stuff to, to pull from there but i was curious you know thinking about rise of the black panther and and thinking about the the miles morales game how is it different um to write a character that's that's been around you know for what 60 years um as opposed to and, and one that you know has meant a lot for a long time to like the black community of comic book fans uh, as opposed to a character that's relatively you know new to the scene i think 2000 is was it 9 2011 i think it was, when, 2000, uh, I think it was 2011 hmm. but, okay yeah well and evan uh-huh. as we transition to that too i don't understand this and i'm sure our listeners don't but just can you talk to us a little bit how writing a character for a video game differs from just on paper yeah. Okay. So to touch on both of those, Robbie, I'll start with yours first. Like, you know, obviously the reservoir of publishing history for a character like Black Panther is much deeper. Right. And, you know, mm-hmm. um, again, part of the, the, the my goal for writing Rise of Black Panther was to kind of interrogate that, like complicate it. Um, you know, like one of the things I'm proudest of was making his mother a real character, you know? And Yami only shows up in a couple of stories. I think she only shows up mm. on panel, like, probably a handful of times. Um, and, hmm. you know, I'm like, well, what, what, you know, what impact did she have on his life, even in his absence, you know? Um, and then ta picks up on that and uses it kind of as a basis for, like, the whole intergalactic uh, Empire of Wakanda story. So um, hmm. I was really happy about that. Um <laughs> Um, but yeah, so, you know, in, in, in Rise, I want to kind of show the different facets of T'Challa's personality as, you know, has been kind of like bought up in his publishing history. So like, you know, he's a compassionate dude um, in the McGregor run. He's um, mm-hmm. kind of manipulative in the first uh, Lee Kirby appearances. He's, you know, uh, goofy and adventurous in the Kirby uh, stuff, you mm-hmm. know, um, and just show all those different per- parts of his personality. So, you know, he's like, he's kind of talking shit when he's fighting Bucky and doing science experiments. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm like, yeah, like this, this, to me, this fits. This is, mm-hmm. this, right. this is a character that can hold all these different interpretations. So contrast that with Miles, who's publishing history is, you know, I don't think he, I don't even think he's hit a 10 year anniversary yet. So mm-hmm. there's, there's, oh, yeah. um, but at the same time, this, this character has been, vaulted to you know a level of popularity thanks to the movie that um Mm -hmm. um is up there with you know the highest kind of most well-known marvel characters right Mm -hmm. so you know when we were working on the game it was very much an opportunity to create a, a new iteration of the character right which you know leans on the publishing history but also we can take things in a little different direction right obviously insomniac did the, the peter parker game and mm-hmm. um um by virtue of that and the events of that game spoiler alert um specifically yeah. with um uh, miles's dad dying you know it's going to be a different kind of tone right there's going to be more right. mournfulness more grief you know um but also you know m- moving him to a new neighborhood thinks about you can tell a different story there. So, you know, we were very conscious of the fact that, you know, uh, the movie catapulted Miles to a level of popularity and recognition that, you know, a lot of characters don't reach. And the game was going to be the second entry, kind of like the Mm -hmm. second major kind of adaptation 
for people who don't read mm. the comics to encounter this character, right? So, you know, right. Obviously, we didn't want to repeat, you know, the work that that uh, uh, Chris Miller and Phil Lord had had, had done. Um, did I transpose their names? Oh man. Anyway, <laughs> um, Lord and Miller. Let's just keep a stick with last names. Um, but I do the same thing. Um, we didn't want to repeat, you know, and Peter Ramsey and everybody else who worked on that uh, on that movie. Mm-hmm. Um, we didn't want to repeat any of those beats, right? So, because um, when, when you're doing a new adaptation, you want it to feel like fresh and have its own take. And mm-hmm. uh, so, when we when we were thinking about the, the major plot beats for the game, obviously you can go in a different direction with the villain. You can go in a different direction with some of the family dynamics. Um, you know, we can uh, have Genki be a major part of the game, right? Um, mm-hmm. And and focus on their relationship more. And, you know, interrogate the idea of stepping into this uh, uh, amazing, that was kind of an <laughs> unintended word choice, but I'm going to lean into it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, into stepping into this amazing heroic legacy um, and trying to make it his own, you know, which is, mm. um, you know, a lot of what the movie's about, but the, the game is different because he's not doing it in partnership with Peter or in, in contrast mm-hmm. to, to Peter. As a, with Peter as a foil, he's doing it on his own. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, again, the commentary from some of the NPC characters does uh, remark on the fact that, oh yeah, you know, the Spider Kid, whatever. He's like the people treat him right. like second rate, you know. Right. Um, but he's not the OG. Yeah, he's not the OG, and and and, but also like you know, being able to put forth these ideas that like. Yeah, in a lot of ways, Miles is cooler than Peter. And that's something I've been saying ever since my first meetings with Insomniac. And it's not, you know, just because, like, uh, he's a a young Black man. It's because, like, our ideas of what teenagers are are um, different than what they were in the 1960s when Peter Parker was created. So, you know, adults Mm -hmm. know more about teenagers now than they did back then. Um, (laughs) And um, teenagers influence popular culture, um, everything from like streetwear, sneakers, fashion, you know, but also like social media, um, you know, teenagers are a force in, 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 in mainstream culture in a lot of ways. And so when you think about a character like Miles who's a teenager, you know, you want to tap into that. Um, so hmm. that, that's very much what we tried to do. The, the first Spider-Man game was obviously a massive hit. It was up for game of the year. And um, as you mentioned, some of the Miles storylines were already planted in that first game. You're introduced to Miles, you learn about his dad, et cetera. Did you feel any kind of pressure in having to follow it up with him or not? Yeah, I mean, you know, I, one thing I should say about the Miles game was that like, all the writing, you know, video game writing is a team effort. Um, okay. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, it was Ben Arfin, who was the lead writer, um, Mary Kenny was also a writer in the game. Um, um, and myself uh, was bought in as a consultant. Um, so the pressure, yeah, was there, you know, like mm-hmm. I've always liked Miles as a character. You know, I remember when I was still um, on the journalist side of things and um, Marvel uh, and Sony had struck their deal to kind of be able to use Spider-Man in the Marvel movies. And I wrote an article, I think it was, I was still at Kotaku at the time, that was like, you know, the next on-screen Spider-Man should be, you know, this guy, you know? Like, mm-hmm. we've had three Peter Parkers, and that's great. And I love Tom Holland, but, you know, like, Miles <laughs> is right there. Um, mm-hmm. um, 
so yeah, all that to say is like, yes, we're aware of the pressure and what most people like um, think about when they hear Spider-Man, they think about Peter first, you know, you can't run away from that reality, but like Miles has his own branch of, you know, again, that heroic legacy now that is different mm-hmm. um, and, and has a different energy uh, uh, to Peter. So yeah, we were, we were aware of the pressure, you know, and I think, um, one of the things that's, you know, our, our, our proudest accomplishment with the Miles game is like, you know, there's that nickname for Peter, like friendly neighborhood Spider-Man, right? But, mm-hmm. you know, I can only speak as a kid who was growing up reading Spider-Man comics. It never felt like Peter was from Queens. It felt like mm-hmm. Peter was from Manhattan, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, right. um, that's where all his adventures uh, took place, you know. And granted, if you know anything about Queens, it's not the best place for web, for web swinging, right? Only <laughs> small sections with skyscrapers and uh, uh, less hustle and bustle, less banks to rob, mm-hmm. um, um, or less banks to stop from being robbed. Let's not get all <laughs> right. yeah, 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 Jameson yeah. up in here. Um, uh, yeah, so. One of the things, I, again, I feel like we're most proud of what happened with Miles was that, yes. like, he felt connected to his neighborhood, you know? Yes, and that he was, made it Harlem-focused. That was so good. And that was one of the things we wanted to do for, almost from the outset, you know, was like, hmm. okay, um, not only is he having to step into, like, the varsity squad of superheroing, right? Mm-hmm. Being, hmm. He also has to figure out, yeah, this is part of the whole part of the city, which I don't really know that well, but mm-hmm. now I have to figure out how to call home and they're skeptical about him um, mm. and figuring out, okay, how do you create a sense of belonging um, um, for this character in this place? So, um, mm. yeah, all that to say, yes, the pressure was very uh, <laughs> um, felt and very, very um, much, you know, a motivator and, 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 and mm-hmm. component of the, of the, the energy, the creative energy that we tried to um, bring to the game. Well, you guys delivered, first of all, and this is not really a question, but just because I don't get this opportunity very often, let me just shower you, your, you and your team with praise for a second. We both <laughs> loved the game, but all the things you said I've, I've, I was going to bring up. I love that you made it neighborhood focused. I love that you brought his mother into the fold, but... I think in general, Robbie and I both love that you and the entire team made him feel different than mm-hmm. Peter and how he played, even how he swings is more loose. It's freer. Yeah. Like you brought up the neighborhood focus, like the very first scene when you start the game is he walks up the subway into his neighborhood and he's interacting with all his friends mm-hmm. and like there, it just, you guys delivered on all that stuff. So I, I loved it. I love how different you made him feel and you made it somehow be able to coexist with Peter Parker when it already had that pressure of Peter Parker kind of owning that whole space. So congrats. <laughs> Thank you. You know, it's funny that you mentioned that first scene of a friend of mine just started playing the game and they're, and they were like, Oh my God, that scene. Um, it's um, so cool. And you know, like, it's very much like one of the things I miss about New York city. I was born and raised there. I've lived in Austin for the last couple of years now. And, um, you know, there's a part of growing up in New York City where you get on the subway and yeah, you know, you have the directions. Somebody tells you, okay, when you get out of this stop, mm-hmm. you're going to make a left or you're going to go to the street, whatever. But you get up, you walk up those stairs and you're a new part of this living, breathing ecosystem that you've never explored before. So like when Miles comes up out of the subway, 
you're looking around. I remember being a teenager, you know, even into college being like, okay, when I first really got let loose to move around the city by myself, as nervous as my mom was, like, it was like, wow, I'm in Harlem now. I remember the first time I went to Harlem, like I was in Mm -hmm. by myself. I was, I was in college and my mom had a friend of hers who was going to Haiti and she was like, okay, I want you to send this, to take this thing to my friends so they can, you know, bring it back to some people back home. And I was like, oh, I'll never forget my first time, like walking across Morningside Park and being like, mm-hmm. and then like walking past Columbia University. It's like, oh, I'm, I've never been here. There's like a whole history and um, neighborhood vibe and culture that I, you know, had only really read about, maybe mm-hmm. even. Mm-hmm. And like, you're like, oh, wow, this is where like James Baldwin lived. This is where, you know, wow. uh, uh, jazz was created, you know, or at least bebop. You know, it's it's all that stuff is just a train stop away, you know, mm-hmm. and being a teenager and having mm-hmm. the agency to explore that stuff in New York City is an amazing experience and, you know, mm-hmm. helped make me who I am. And like, yes, I wanted to, us to get some of that in the game. And I think, you know, uh, I'm happy with how we executed and a lot of other people are, but that was part of it, you know, like, um, um, you know, East Harlem specifically has a super intense vibe. It's like a, a great epicenter of cultural exchange, you know, hmm. people from, you know, Latinx Caribbean communities and black Caribbean mm-hmm. communities and even African, uh, African continental communities are up there. Like Harlem, Harlem is just like this epicenter for like so much of, like the cultural and artistic energy of New York city. So like we want to reflect that too. And of course it's like a Marvel games universe. I don't even know if that's the term they're actually using. Mm. Uh, uh, sorry, Bill and Eric, but, um, uh, <laughs> but it's, so it's a heightened version. It's a fictional version. Right. But like that just gives it more opportunity to like make it like big and metaphorical and bold, you know, mm-hmm. like, there's not a mural on every street in, in, in real world Harlem, but we can sure as hell put one in, in, hmm. in, in fictional insomniac games, Harlem, you know, and, and that makes it feel like, again, a real um, love letter to oh. the cultures that actually exist there. So, you know, that's mm-hmm. what we want to do. Well, just to add, I loved it so much because Harlem, as you know, in the first game is kind of the left out area. Like you yeah. don't go there that often. And so there was like this, the there was this space. The tombstone mm-hmm. missions are the only things that kind of happen specifically mm-hmm. in that neighborhood. Yep. And so there was this space. And then for you guys to give it the color, and you talked about jazz, like to have Uncle Aaron have the music background with this dialogue right. about his dad and, you know, and the little m- music memos. And and yeah. then I think another look underrated thing is that this is the first game I can remember that didn't have cutscenes. you know, like the whole thing flows. There's no loading screens is what I mean mm-hmm. by that. And so maybe that doesn't affect you as a writer, but what ends up coming out is a really smooth story, even from, like we said, the way he walks out of the first subway into the first village, but even the way he comes out of his house and gets into his Spider-Man outfit is, is so smooth right into the music, right into like, so you just feel so immersed in Harlem and miles as a character. Yeah. I mean, you know, like Spider-Man adjacent characters, you know, spider heroes for lack of a better term, you know, mm-hmm. they want movement and action and, you know, they want to feel like connected to like the energy of their spaces. Right. 
Um, and I think that's part of what informed all the creative decisions that um, the team considered, you know, like Kyle was talking about uh, the web swing animations, like, you know, all credit to James Hamm, one of the animators who worked on, on the game, mm. who was like, you know, yeah, he thought about like, okay, what's, 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 if, if, if this young kid got superpowers and has been learning how to swing throughout the city, like, how does that become a mode of personal expression for, for him, right? You know, you think about like, you know, something like skateboarding, right? Professional skateboarding, like the, right. the, the tricks certain skateboarders use like differ according to their personality, right? Like, so, you know, somebody's going to do more, more kick flips. Somebody's going to do more grabs, mm-hmm. you know, somebody's going to be better at vert or grinding rails, you mm-hmm. know, like they don't all try to do the same things. They all be like, okay, what is it within my skill set and capability to do? And they do that. And we won, we thought about web swinging and miles the same way. And James certainly did, you know, I can't take any credit for that. That's him and the animation team. Hmm. That's, I mean, that, that is one of the things that I immediately noticed and yeah, Cal and I have talked about that a a good bit. I I think the way that you, not just the way that you put a stamp on, on miles and the way that he feels and the way that he talks um, that's, you know, in line, I think with, with his earliest iterations, but also evolving in some interesting and I think some positive ways. You also did some really interesting work again with kind of the, the, not just miles mythos, but Spider-Man mythos uh, in general. Like I, I thought it was really interesting sort of taking the tinkerer and, and using that character in, in such a way that I, I don't think there's any real precedent for. Yeah. You know, um, Thinking about the Tinkerer and like, again, one of I think the great successes of the preceding Spider-Man game with Peter was like reimagining these characters' relationships to each other, you know? So like Mm -hmm. the whole time you're playing that first Spider-Man game, you're like, okay, Otto, Octavius, I know what's going to happen. Is it actually going to happen? And that tension of the new interpretation is found mostly in them being friends, the mentor relationship, you know, like you, you can even say like avuncular or, 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 or paternal, you know, like mm-hmm. he's like an uncle or, or a surrogate father to Peter. And then you take that tension and you're like, okay, well, I know the canon from the comics and are they going to do it here? Does it see it actually happen? The way they do it there, like Brian Intahar and, and John Paquette and, and Ben Arfin and everybody who worked on that game from narrative perspective, like, just delivered such like a gut punch when that hmm. finally happens. And like, right. Which not, not to say that there's a template that we followed for miles, but it's like, okay, well, we wanted this game to be about family in a way that you really can't do with Peter, because again, all Peter really has is aunt may. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, you have grief. That's a lot more fresh for miles. You have his mother trying to kind of reconfigure her life and, 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 response to that loss and that grief and you have him moving to a new neighborhood okay so what if somebody shows up in his life that hasn't been around you know and what if Hmm. she's had her own grief to deal with and it's taken her in a different direction so you know while there is like that kind of like close familial similarity between like miles and finn and peter and otto like it's different because we, sh- we see them going from different directions after suffering their own traumas. Um, so, right. 
you know, and the fact that the Tinker is a character that's relatively obscure and, you mm-hmm. know, uh, uh, most people only know if they knew the character at all, it was like this old dude from who's a kind of a riff on the right. mad scientist trope from the old comics. Um, completely turned that on its ear, you know? Um, and uh, again, that's, you know, all credit to the other folks who worked on the game, like Ben and Mary and Brian Horton, the creative director, um, you know, and, you know, when I came in, it was like, all right, well, what do you do when your kids growing up together? You know, like you go to school together, you do science fairs, mm-hmm. you do little projects, you run around, right. get in trouble. Like people around the neighborhood know you, especially if you're like smart or, you know, one of the ideas that's kind of implicit in the collectible side quest is like, these kids were like mini celebrities, right? Cause they're clearly geniuses, you know? Uh-huh. Um, and they had, they were making rocket powered skates, which was, you know, a nod at rocket racer, classic Spider-Man villain um, and other <laughs> stuff. Um, like they share that bond by virtue of being, you know, these young, ambitious, smart kids who like seemingly have the world just waiting for them to kind of enter into it. But when they do enter into the world, it's, you know, under the um, cloud of grief and loss and figuring out what Hmm. to do with that. They come of age in some very um, challenging ways. And, you know, I I feel like what's what's incredible about that is is how in a relatively short game, you know, compared to to when you look at games like The Last of Us or something that are kind of emotional and, and a good bit longer you delivered such a kind of emotional gut punch. Um, and, and, and immediately, I mean, the, the reason I bring up the the tinker is like I said, kind of invented a whole new take on a character that now, um, I really cared about and, you know, really, uh, hit home in a, in an unsettling, but, but really like true to a Spider-Man way, you know, in, in the way that, that like where that leaves miles and, and kind of the, the, I think what he's left considering, you know, in the aftermath of, of her choice there at the end. And I thought it was, I mean, just, just in general to, yeah, to echo Kyle and, and shower you with praise, uh, both, both of these works, you know, I've, I've really enjoyed. And, and I do want folks that are, that are listening uh, that haven't gotten to check out rise of the black Panther or, or the miles Morales game to do so. And, and we'll talk more about that. Uh, in the coming weeks, I wanted to to take one moment before we we let you go and and see is there anything you're working on right now that you can you can tell us about anything you're excited about? Yeah, um, Twitter is uh, my handle is fnarc you know at e v n a r c. Um, let's see what can I talk about. Well, uh, um, my friend, my uh, my road dog, my brother Austin Walker and I um, we co-wrote. Um, uh, a New Day comic for Boom Studios, which mm. is basically uh, the the in-universe, the in-fiction origin story of how uh, Kofi and Big E and, and Austin um, all got together to form the tag team, and it was a lot of fun. Um, oh, wow. It's, it's uh, so, like, close to my heart, like, figuring out that story and, 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 and riffing on it and working on it with with Austin, I have to say his last name Walker. So we don't, people don't think I mean Creed. Um, <laughs> uh, but yeah, figuring that out was, was so much fun. Um, so that comes out in July. Um, you'll be able to find that, find that wherever 
um, you buy your comics digitally or 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 in in a store. Please support your local comic stores, by the way. Mm-hmm. Um, Austin Books and Comics. Exactly. I'm a Dragon's Lair dude, but it's all good. There's no beef. <laughs> um, they're just closer. They're my local. Um, that's fair. Same. Uh, so that's coming out. Uh, Genlock um, season two. Um, there's just a little bit of a teaser that just hit. Um, uh, Genlock, for those who don't know, is a science fiction mecha series from Rooster Teeth. Um, I was a consultant on the first season and a full staff writer on season two. And um, oh, wow. there's a little bit of a teaser that just dropped. Michael B. Jordan vo- voices the main character of Julian Chase. It's got a great cast uh, that includes um, Amazing wow. Williams, David Tennant. Um, who am I forgetting? Um, other people I can't even remember right now. Miles Luna's up in there. What up, Miles? Hmm. Um, um, yeah, and season two uh, uh, is coming soon. I don't know the exact date, so don't at me. Um, but it's going to be incredible. We, we, we told a story that I think is really ambitious. So, Mm. um, you know, we really try to try to think about, okay, uh, there's a war where giant robots are fighting and what does it mean when the technology kind of, um, proliferates? What does it mean politically when the world is in the churn of such intense change, um, um, by virtue of technological developments. How does that change the capabilities, rather the possibilities for like human cognition? Um, and that's hmm. probably all I should say, um, <laughs> but that's coming soon. I don't know when, don't ask me, but wow, there's a little bit of a teaser. What a tease. Uh, um, there's a little bit of a teaser um, that Michael B. Jordan um, um, uh, posted on his Instagram account. Um, and people seem to like it there. So, uh, yeah, so that's what I have coming out. A bunch of other stuff I can't talk about some things that might be announced soon, but, um, I am very busy right now. (laughs) Well, yeah, no, that's awesome. That's, it's fun to, uh, for us to have stuff to be looking forward to then. Um, well, thank you so much, Evan, for, for coming on. This has been a ton of fun and, uh, and know, you know, that the, uh, there's a standing invitation. If you uh, if you ever want to come back and and uh, get your you know MCU talk fix, yeah, I hope that will be your first stop. Uh, thank you guys for having me. I really appreciate it. Thanks. All right, take care. Thanks so much to Evan for coming on our show and doing that. We had a blast talking to him. If you haven't read Rise of the Black Panther, go get it. I'm sure you can get it anywhere comics are found. I think you'll really enjoy it. And if you're a video game player at all. Get Miles Morales on PS5. It's so much fun. It's a fun follow-up to the first Spider-Man, and I think you'll really, truly enjoy that. My passion on that episode is not faked. I really, really like that game. So go play it. Thanks again for listening, guys. Don't forget you can message us at the FFW Podcast, and we have a fun announcement coming Monday regarding that stuff. Um, Rate, review, subscribe to wherever you get your podcasts. Follow us on social media at the FFW Podcast. And then we'll see you next Monday on Friends from Work. Friends from Work.